Michael Wilmington of the Chicago Tribune calls this movie a dark comedy that blows up like an exploding cigar, leaving nothing much behind but smoke, noise, and a bad taste. Rene Rodriguez of the Miami Herald calls it the cinematic equivalent of being poked in the ribs of the fork for two hours. But Letterboxd user Matthew L. Brady says it might be his biggest guilty pleasure of all time. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Death to Smoochie. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters! Get me Smoochie! Get me Smoochie! Get smoochie me Smoochie! The, smoochie the Rhino! <laughs> <laughs> We're doing our own montage of, of audio clips. They're, okay, welcome to Ruin Childhoods, everybody. Welcome! It's I, time. I'm so happy that we're talking about Death to Smoochie on this episode, but I've got some one more things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're saying uh-huh like you're nervous oh. about my one more things. I have no. three more things, actually. Do you have any oh. any more things? No, apparently about, you about, have enough. And this is about nothing but trouble, everybody. Our last episode. I I have, no, I have nothing more than for nothing but trouble, but you've got three things, so don't let me I got me three things. We never talked about how at the dinner, they they were served warm Hawaiian punch, which is like so funny. Paired with the ants on a log is such a funny thing to serve. Yes, we totally... <laughs> And it's like that, that giant and... can and they put like the like oil thing in there and oh, yep. it's beautiful. Yep. It's the classic like, you know, we're having a party in school today. We're having a little class party. Time to crack open the cans of Hawaiian punch that have been sitting back behind the gym since the 70s. Yeah. And I'll I'll put the actual quote in, but Chevy Chase is something like, ah, nothing I like more than a piping hot glass of Hawaiian punch. How about a nice Hawaiian punch? Thank you, Judge. You know, there's nothing better at the end of a long day on the road than a nice warm glass of wine punch. <laughs> yeah, as, as his character often does in, in that movie, just kind of unnecessarily goes to the point of insulting the Hawaiian, just just to the edge. He's, he's, he's like just hanging on to being somewhat polite in that line. And leading me to my next... Uh, my next thing is um, while they are driving through Vulcanvania and they are passing by all of the like townies, he d- this is what I had referenced in, I believe, was it our trading, was it our trading places episode? I can't remember, but I alluded to the idea that there would be a callback to trading places in one of our future episodes and I forgot to mention it, but while they're driving through, he yells at the window to some guys, some like townies. Morning. Sell pork bellies by gold. So yeah, I mean, it's too specific of a 
reference for it not to be a Trading Places nod. That like Dan Aykroyd was probably just like, hey, you should tell him to say this. And if people get it, they get it. Well, you know, now that you mention it, I that was something I did notice watching Nothing But Trouble was the kind of that financial side to it, mm. the the Chevy Chase's character, that whole side to it was very reminiscent of the and I think I like I caught the pork bellies thing and Right. You know, I think it kind of registered, oh yeah, pork bellies. Um but yeah, I definitely caught I now that you mention it, I I did think like, okay, th- this repetition, this theme of the, you know, the rich manipulating the poor and taking advantage of people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's Running. definitely that through yeah. line between those. So my last more thing is uh, when I was going through trying to find uh, reviews to include for nothing but trouble, it's hard to find a positive review. So that's when you go to something like Amazon or Letterboxd to find, you know, other, you know, civilian reviews. What the real people think. What the real people think. And according to one Letterboxd user who I uh, didn't really give much of a review, but gave this bit of an anecdote. So this is what uh, what he wrote. The story goes that in 1985, while at a Coke-fueled birthday party for Lorne Michaels, Dan Aykroyd read the entire original 300-page script for the mo- for the movie, doing all the characters and screen direction for a packed group of fans, including Chevy Chase, John Candy, Rick Moranis, and Paul Simon, to name a few. Amongst the other to witness Aykroyd's reading were the members of Metallica, most notably lead vocalist and writer James Hetfield. The next morning, in a cough-ridden, diarrhea-plagued, hungover days, Hetfield wrote the beginnings of a song in tribute to Aykroyd's film, a song that would appear on his band's 1986 opus, Master of Puppets, as the thing that should not be. And now you know the rest of this story. And I'm going to play a little clip from that song right now. So the song doesn't really have anything to do with the movie, but the thing that should not be, if this is true, I mean, this is, you know, urban legend, Dan Aykroyd, urban legend, <laughs> but yeah. wow, what a, what a story if it's true. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go, go listen to that song again. I had not heard that. Right. It's not one of the hits off of that album, but the title alone. Oh, no, I mean, I hadn't heard the, the I hadn't heard that rumor. Oh, the I'm rumor. Sure, I mean, and I definitely haven't heard that song in a long time. Right. Well, if it's true, that is fascinating and wow. not surprising. No, the thing that shouldn't happen is that what it was called? The is thing that, that should not be. The thing is talking about the movie itself. Right. <laughs> he just he heard the script. He said, "This should never be. I need to write a yeah. song to make sure that <laughs> it never happens." Yeah, uh, that's pretty funny. I What's fascinating to me is the idea that Chevy Chase and John Candy were witness to this 
and still took part in this project. That and I mean, with the the like Metallica was there, which I guess Metallica. It's just yeah. To me, I've just I don't think I've I'm familiar with any tales of like the uh, SNL SCTV crowd running with Metallica back well, in the day, but. Right, but this There's is a like lot I it's, don't know. it's it's 1985. It very well. Well, it says a birthday party for Lorne Michaels. Like maybe that's. I mean, I I don't think that he's hanging out with Metallica for you know friendship reasons. We don't know. It's possible, but like yeah. I could see like at an after part, like an SNL after party or something. Something like this going down where like Metallica was the guest. I mean, this says birthday party for Lorne Michaels, but. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, hey, 80s Hollywood. Who knows? Who knows who, who knows? was there doing what to who and what with what? <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've got. Uh, going back to Nothing But Trouble, I greatly enjoyed revisiting that movie. And uh, I'm glad that we gave ourselves that opportunity. It was a fun little... Uh, it's fun to watch around this time of year as well as that nice fun little Halloweeny vibe it's, to yeah, it. Yeah, it's spooky and weird and creepy, and not much unlike the movie that we're talking about this week that has like an eerie vibe to it. Uh, Death to Smoochie. Oh, very dark. Yeah, very very dark. Very dark. Dan, I remember you particularly liking this movie at the time of its release and when it was out on video. Is that right? Yeah, well, I did not see it in the theater. Not You did not see it? I did not. In the theater? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that every time I say it, and of course with this well, movie- Well, it's appropriate it, in this movie it, because- It's of, a little closer, <laughs> yeah. No, no. I had not seen it in its original, in its initial theatrical run or any theatrical run for that matter. Not very many people did. no. No, uh, I, it was interesting to me. Like I wanted to see it. It looked good, but I didn't have the the opportunity. I was doing a theater tour down South at the time. And it wasn't like we never went to the movies, but I think that came out right before the end of that tour. So it was kind of that mid ground where I, I just didn't get to the movies and mm -hmm. didn't, and didn't see it, but I was intrigued. I thought it was an interesting, I mean, I loved Edward Norton and was a big fan of his already by, by that point. And Robin Williams, it had been some time since I had really enjoyed a, a comedic Robin Williams performance. Like, yeah. I, I thought he was great. He was it that same year, I think insomnia with Al Pacino, uh, Christopher Nolan directed. Insomnia. Was One Hour Photo also that same year? One Hour Photo, yes. I think was also that same year or the year before. It was right around there. Yeah. One Hour Photo, he was he was great in great. that. And I was I was interested to see him get back into comedy, but kind of more of the Comedy uh, with an edge. Comedy I mean, this with is an, an edge. R rated comedy. Yeah. Oh, it is such an R rated comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so I was excited to see that and Danny DeVito as a director makes interesting choices when, uh, you know, in his films and he's also made a night, you know, kind of a, a wide range. Like we've talked about throw mama from the train, mm -hmm. but also in his filmography, you have 
movies like Hoffa. You have right. Matilda. Matilda. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, The War of the Roses, which is probably the closest in tone to Smoochie. Right. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, dark comedy about divorce. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm, I can't, I can't think of uh, off the top of my head if there were any others that I'm missing that that Danny DeVito had directed up until that point. Up but, until this point, and I feel like this was one of the last ones that he directed. I don't think he did too much after yeah. this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I think it like maybe one, one thing. But anyway, uh, you know, you know from uh, right from the beginning, from Throw Mama from the Train, uh, you know, or, or a oh, knack he did duplex. Duplex. Yeah. Oh, did he direct Duplex? He did Duplex, and that was in two thousand three. I and then he's done a bunch of uh, short films over the past, mm. uh, well, over the you know course of his entire career. But most recently, it was 2016. Yeah, something called Curmudgeons. Curmudgeons. Okay. Yeah. So between that and like a Catherine Keener, uh, <sighs> the ca- just the the cast and the premise. And I wasn't yeah. quite sure what it was, but I was right. I was in, Edward Norton and Robin Williams as Kitty show hosts. I was like, okay, I can in an R rated movie about children's entertainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't see it until it was, you know, it was a rental mm-hmm. one night, and um, I uh, remember watching it de- definitely um, not sober. Right. Yeah. Same. And, but yeah, I just was watching this movie and it was so unique and there was so much done in it that caught me off guard. It was one of those comedies that really surprised me, but it wasn't the type of comedy that does that. And then when you watch it again, it's not really as funny. Right. This is a movie where there are definitely some of those laughs, but there are a lot that held up. So, like, I watched it again with anybody who would watch it with me. Right. And I, yeah. And also, (laughs) you know, to compare this or contrast it to, you know, Chevy Chase's performance in Nothing But Trouble, where Chevy Chase is just like saying things in his Chevy Chase cadence and that qualifies it as a joke. You have Robin Williams spouting out just like funny lines, rapid fire. And I listened to every single one of them and they all crack me up. It's Randall. How does it feel to be voted the most hated man in America, Randall? In a country full of Neanderthals, I wear the fucking badge of honor. Orwell says you have an unhealthy obsession with shells and smoke. Well, I barely know that bitch, okay? And she's been down on everything but the Titanic. She spreads like cream cheese for shells. What about the rumors that you're mentally imbalanced? Who the fuck said that? I fucking I'm not mentally imbalanced. I'm on the same dose as you Let me handle this. Listen, between my clients, dwindling cash flow and his mounting legal theses, Sinking into a deep psychotic depression. So hey, grab my ass. Hey, get away from me. Don't hey, touch hey, me. Please. Oh, 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 very nice. Oh, I'm a shot. I plead. Hey, Salmonella. You're a lawyer. That's Salmonella. No one touch my ass. I want to prove the brain. Okay. And there's so many that you can miss, which is why the movie holds up on repeat viewings. 
some of them are are more subtle than others. There are some that are really, um, you know, like the lotion joke with John Stewart. You broke. You got nothing left. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to tell you, buddy. What's this? Rainforest benefit freebie bags, uh, disposable cameras, Kahlua flavored peanuts, hand lotions, no animal tested. Don't ever contact me again, Randy. Get out of the car. You know what to do with a hand lotion, jerk off. <laughs> But then there, uh, you know, there's others. The, the scene when he's uh, when he shows up at Nora's apartment and he's, uh, you know, like kind of putting her through it, and he's firing off so many, uh, so many great one-liners about all yeah. the kitty show hosts that she's been with. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll put on a clip. We'll put in a clip right here. What's up? Oh, two for the price of one. How convenient. How serendipitous. You know what? Get the oh. fuck out of here right now, Randolph. Oh, you eat with that mouth? Yeah. Okay, guys, let's just all take it easy. Bite me, Buddha. I had her first. What? That's right, baby. Yeah, you snatched her away. Now you gots to pay. Pork it, asshole. Hey, does somebody want to explain to me what this is all about? Didn't she tell you of the love we once had? Passionate yet tender. Old-fashioned yet experimental. Randolph, you have lost your mind. Oh, enlighten the lad, Nora. You were such a hot little brood mare. Does the bridle still fit? Hey, watch your mouth, what mister. What experiments? I've had firmer handshakes, you drunk. Please, it's small, but it's fierce. Hold the phone here. What? Are you telling me this is true? You and him? No, you know, yeah. Well, how do you like that? You're just another action figure for her collection. Shut up, Randy, before I jaw you again. I got Mr. Boomy, Missy. Why don't you tell him about Jingle Jackson? You dated Jingle Jackson, too? She used to like to play with his bells. <sighs> what about Wally the Whale? Nora, how could you do it with Wally the Whale? There she blows. So why don't I do a little synopsis before we get, like, real deep into this? Go for it. Rainbow Randolph is the hottest name in children's entertainment, but his star quickly fades as he is busted for taking bribes from parents who want their kids featured on his show. Scrambling to replace him, network exec Marion Stokes searches for the least problematic performer to fill the time slot. He chooses a scrubby methadone clinic performer, Sheldon Mopes, a.k.a. Smoochie the Rhino, and tasks network VP Nora Wells to track him down and sign him for his own TV show. Sheldon is a health food promoting goody two-shoes and sees this as his opportunity to spread his message, but Kidnet has other ideas, using his image and name to sell sugary drinks and cereals. Sheldon teams up with Burke Bennett, a children's performer agent who secretly has ties to mobster Merv Green, who runs a corrupt charity organization. Sheldon also becomes buddies with Spinner Dunn, a half-witted former boxer whose family is the center of New York's Irish mob and Spinner's love for Sheldon isn't unnoticed by Tommy Cotter, who runs the mob. Meanwhile, Rainbow Randolph is out to get Sheldon, his replacement. He attempts to ruin the smoochy show with phallically-shaped cookies, but when that doesn't work, he resorts to more drastic measures. 
In disguise, Randolph tricked Sheldon into performing as Smoochie for a massive group of neo-Nazis. This ruins Smoochie's image and is quickly taken off the air. Once the truth is revealed, Randolph gets busted and Sheldon's street cred is back on track. But there's one big problem. Burke arranged for a Smoochie on Ice show to support Merv Green's charity. Sheldon agrees to do it, but only if all of the concessions are healthy and free, which ruins Merv's plan to make oodles of cash from the event. Merv wants Smoochie dead, so Burke hires a washed-up former children's performer named Buggy Ding Dong to off him at the ice show. When Nora, who has now become romantically involved with Sheldon, and Randolph, who has now made amends with Sheldon, catch wind of what's happening, Randolph thwarts the assassination attempt. Sheldon, Randolph, and Nora all live happily ever after. And as we said before, Rainbow Randolph is Robin Williams. Uh, Edward Norton plays Sheldon Mopes slash Smoochie the Rhino. Danny DeVito is Burke Bennett, the agent. Catherine Keener is Nora Wells. John Stewart is Marion Stokes. Uh, we've got Pam Ferris as Tommy Cotter. Uh, Michael Raspoli as Spinner Dunn. I'm Spinner. <laughs> Harvey Firestein is uh, Merv Green. Uh, Vincent, sorry, Vincent Schiavelli is Buggy Ding Dong. It is an all-star cast. And man, you know, like you were talking before about Chevy Chase kind of just Chevy chasing his way through yeah. that performance. Everyone in this movie really just kind of goes all in, especially Edward Norton. Edward Norton's great. Robin Williams, like, you know, he's he's putting in the work for sure. You could tell to me this. So this seems like the type of thing that Robin Williams really loved doing. I would imagine. Yeah. And it's really a subversive comedy about a children's entertainer that seems right up his alley well about yeah and about a children's entertainer who's really like it's an act a scumbag yeah he's really a scumbag though it's it's interesting because i love you have the moments when he when he realizes what a scumbag he's in and and that he's been and you realize that oh maybe at some point he was you know, decent. uncorruptible. He was decent. Yeah. Like, well, and I think that that's why you know Nora, who has this history of dating these children's entertainers. You know, I think that like she saw the good in him, and then when he started to show his ugly side, that's when they split. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, and sorry, can I just comment? Isn't it kind of nostalgic to watch a movie where? It, it is deemed as socially unacceptable to be a neo-Nazi and the <laughs> FBI will arrest you for being a neo-Nazi. It's refreshing to see that. Yeah. It was yeah. like the least believable part of the movie. No. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, have we done any other Robin Williams movies? I honestly don't think that we have, which is no, crazy. I think this, this is, is episode first... 88. 88. What an appropriate episode to be talking oh. about Nazis. What am I missing? 88 is the the number associated oh. with neo-Nazis. Yes. 8H. 88H. Got it. Sorry. You said 88 and I was thinking back to the future. Really? Oh, yeah. 88 miles an hour. Okay. You're uh, going to see some serious shit. Yeah. I mean, I'll do you one. I'll do you one more. I think 88. I think Dick Tracy. 88 keys. 88 keys. Okay. 
Well, you know what? When you say 88, I think Caddyshack 2, which came out in 1988 and starred Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase. (laughs) So anyway, getting back to Death to Smoochie. Six degrees uh, of Heil Hitler? Six degrees of nonsense. Um, Same thing. Uh, So- yeah. What's really oh, you know what I, I was I noticed about the cast. So Danny DeVito definitely likes to work with a, a, like a certain group of people, and like he he and Vincent Chiavelli have done so many movies together, dating back to Chiavelli. One the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Chiavelli, right, right, absolutely. And recently, I, I rewatched Batman Returns recently, and and he's in that as well. Yeah, I didn't even know that, but it makes sense. And I was thinking about the connections. I'm like, well, because, oh, because also, because I was, I was watching it with the commentary and Danny DeVito's commentary is talking about how Edward Norton was wearing the all hemp clothes and Mm. how it was kind of a a tribute to Woody Harrelson. And I thought about it and I was like, his performance is very much Woody Harrelson. Like, if you think, especially like Woody as Woody Boyd in Cheers. Yeah. Naive, uh, you know, kind of playing dumb, but there's, I don't know, there's something else going on. But when you listen to his voice, it's very, I can hear, oh, come on, Miss Howe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I can, like, come on, don't, don't say that, Miss Howe. People are going (laughs) to think you're crazy. Yeah. uh, That's interesting. Um, Yeah. But, well, on the, on the note of the hemp clothes real quick, I think this is the very first time I may have ever heard the word gluten. You wouldn't believe what it took to get these guys to throw on a couple soy dogs. Hello, people. Wake up and smell the future, okay? I mean, organic, twice the protein of any of this stuff, and nobody gets killed. You know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna get you on these gluten-free buns before I'm finished with you. We're gonna change the world, brother. Oh, yeah. How many people were talking about gluten in 2002? I I mean... Edward Norton and Death to Smoochie. Unless you had to avoid it, yeah. But, and he also apparently made the spirulina... Right, the spirulina... Almond butter. Is the almond butter. Yeah. Yeah. But so the connection that I made, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, there's a Milos Forman connection between Danny DeVito. Mm -hmm. um, Man on the Moon. Well, Danny DeVito, Man on the Moon and and One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Cuckoo's Nest, of course. Chiavelli, who Mm -hmm. was in um, that and People versus Larry Flint, which also starred Edward Norton. And mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson. And Woody Harrelson. Not in this movie, but certainly comes up. In spirit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and and also talking about just like other connections. Uh, you know, Robin Williams had somewhat recently worked with Harvey Firestein and Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if there's a Catherine Keener uh, thread with anybody, but but she's so good. I This era, Catherine Keener. So it's like... Being John Malkovich, uh, Death to Smoochie, Forty Year Old Virgin, like that. It's there's a few years in between each one of those, but like, I I don't know. She has this like her characters all have this certain like edge to them, but yeah. like you know they are very much individuals. They are very powerful people. They, you know, even when she's you know a mom who runs and i sell things you sell your things on ebay store in 40 year old virgins she's still like she's doing it on her own like she's still just mm-hmm. a very strong-willed person and uh, i mean her character in death to smoochie and her character in being john malkovich are i mean they could be cousins they have very, just like this biting edge yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're kind of like they, you could tell that they like to, that when they see a, a man who they know they can manipulate, that's kind of what yes. you see them doing. It's what you see Max, her doing as Maxine and being John Malkovich and what you see her doing as Nora. Yeah. Here. And so what year is being John Malkovich? Was that 99? 99. Yeah. 99. So to this coming out in 2002, probably being shot in 2001, I just have to wonder like, oh, did they see her in being John Malkovich and be like, that's exactly what we want for this. Let's get Catherine Keener. I mean, there was being John Malkovich. There was, there were those, the other, there were the, the like movies that she was in like mid to late nineties that were very indie. I want to say kicking and screaming. Was she in kicking and screaming? Or was it walking and talking? I, I get confused. <laughs> uh, kicking and screaming, the Noah Baumbach. Um, yeah, she no no no. She was in. I think she was in. Walking she was in walking and, and talking in '96. She has the relationship yeah. in it with Kevin Corrigan, and it's really. Oh, I love Kevin Corrigan. It's sweet, and it's a really believable. Yeah, so I I love. Have you seen Have you seen any of the uh, the show Kidding? Which was no, on I've been meaning to watch that. She again in that, and it's interesting that she's in that as it's mm. about a you know, Kitty show host. And right. interestingly, Jim Carrey was at some point going to star in Death to Smoochie. Not surprising. I, be- I believe as Sheldon. You see, I totally see him more as a Rainbow Randolph. But I feel like I remember this being pitched as like a Robin Williams, Jim Carrey. Really? See, that's I don't so know. funny. Maybe I'm off. Maybe it's I'm so wrong. funny because like, I feel like Edward Norton's so good as Sheldon, uh, you know, even though he had recently before this been in movies like American History X, where he's like this tough, like shredded guy. He's a neo-Nazi. Well, neo-Nazi, yeah. But like in this, you know, he's kind of just like a little weaker looking. He kind of has like a very weak chin if we're getting, you know, if we're going to go there. So it's like kind of like his, his presence is not very... It's not overly masculine where I feel like Jim Carrey has like, he's got that jaw. He's got this like stature to him that I think comes across much better in a very confident character like Rainbow Randolph. And not to say that Sheldon isn't confident. He's very sure about himself. Oh, very much. But, you know, he's not, you know, Kidnet came to him. He kind of just put his whole thing together to like help people. Um, he was not out there looking for fame. Well, I also think like Carrie being pretty tall. I, I right. feel like Norton's height also kind of sells the that like you know he's he's the little guy. You know he's the voice of the of the little guy. You know Edward Norton wrote the songs that he that he sings in it. Like the did he um, really? Oh, he's six feet tall. Edward yeah. Norton. Yeah, according to the internet. Okay. Well then. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, so he wrote like the uh, uh, the stepdad's just adjust adjusting. Song. It is so I love that song. He slams the door, he stomps his feet, sends me to bed with zilch to eat. But my stepdad's not mean; he's just adjusting. His temper's bad and he's a slob. He's bitter cause he lost his job. But my stepdad's not mean. Three cheers for the man that I proudly call Stan. 
He's not quite a dad or a brother. Yes, he gets cross, but still, he's the boss. And besides, he takes care of my mother. So be patient with new friends like Stan. It's tough to be mom's second man. But your stepdad's not mean. He's just adjusting. So remember, kids, a stepdad is a lot like a new puppy. They need patience and love while they adjust to their new surroundings. But remember, if he is ever abusive to you or mommy, what are the magic numbers? Right. <laughs> that song is so funny. The scenes, some of the scenes that he does on, and I love the way that they shoot those, the scenes that get like really dramatic, like when he's doing the campfire bit after he comes back to the show. Oh my God. Great to be back home with you. I know I was away for a little too long and some of you probably heard I went through some pretty rough times. Life outside the magic jungle, it can, uh, well, it can get pretty complicated. There's a lot of ugliness out there. Fair amount of injustice. Sometimes being a good person, well, that just isn't always enough. And I'm here to tell you, when that happens, it is hard not to get frustrated. Maybe even start feeling a little bitter. Oh, look, I'm just gonna say it. Sometimes, boys and girls, it's gonna make you flat out mad. And you know what I do when I get mad, boys and girls? When that pressure starts building up on my heart to where I feel like maybe I'm just not going to be able to take it anymore and this old rhino might have to put a little hurt on someone else, you know what I do then? I howl. That's right. I take all the things I don't like about the world and I let out a big old howl. Come on and howl with me now. Howl it out! Take all that frustration inside you, ball it up in a tight little bowl, and let it out in a howl! And then with the friggin' ice show, the right opera. with the oh my god it's crazy and moochie being found dead in chinatown yeah so spinner uh spinner dunn the former boxer becomes friends with sheldon he knows he recognizes him as smoochie and he's just like in love with him and in in order to make the Irish mob happy, Sheldon gives him a role on the show. He's like a a ranger or something, and plays he the cowbell. He wears like a safari hat, and yeah, plays the cowbell. Yeah, the and then uh, he gets bumped up after all the scandal stuff to Moochie. Is he like Smoochie's like cousin or? Something? Well, do you remember why he got bumped up? Why did he get Tommy? Bumped up? Oh, because t- his cousin Tommy got sick of him playing the cowbell all through, like oh. running through the restaurant playing the cowbell. Shell, Shell, you gotta help me out here. He's banging this goddamn thing from morning till night. I hate to take it away from him, but I got a headache goes from my eyes to my ass. Uh, you know I love Spinner, Tommy, but I owe you pretty big. I'll see what I can do. Bless you, Dan. Just give him something else to do on the show. You know, anything, just so long as you don't clang, chime, or honk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I uh, I mean, 
Michael Rispoli, who's shown up in so many things, like yeah. he stands out to me so much in this one. He really nails this character of the guy who's gotten hit in the head way too many times. And I don't think I've ever seen him do a character like that. Like he usually either plays like um, in, he was in, in the Sopranos in the first season. Mm-hmm. He was the, you know, the original boss of the, of the family and in, um, I want to say there's a film called, I think it's Two Family House with uh, Kelly McDonald. And he's just like, he's either kind of just like a blue collar. Sure. Uh, I remember or... him also from Summer of Sam. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember him standing out in that. He was in Rounders. I wonder if he and, and Edward Norton buddied up on that oh, one. Yeah. Uh, he Summer was of Sam was guys. he. Was in Summer of Sam? Was he? Uh, was he one of the the neighborhood guys? He was Joey T. That's his credit in this. Yeah. I think he was one of the neighborhood guys. I haven't uh, seen it in a long time. Neither have I. Um, but yeah, he's he's been in a ton of stuff, and yeah. you know a lot of things about like mob type of things, but and never it, never comedic like this. No, and it's so lovely to me that he was given this opportunity and he just nails it. Like you can oh, really so feel good. his love for Sheldon and you know, after Sheldon like lets him like be part of it for so long, like he just has this amazing bond with him. It's so great. It's really really yeah. lovely. It's really sweet. Now I am very excited to introduce a surprise visitor to Jungle Land. Boys and girls, please help me welcome, all the way from the Lewa Downs Rhino Preserve, my cousin, Moochie! Thanks for coming all this way, Booch. Say hello to all the boys and girls out there. Moochie? Uh, my name is Moochie. Yes, we've established that. Sheldon, uh, these costumes make my nuts itch. Because of that, he has the protection of the Irish mob. <laughs> Very useful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I now we're talking about. I, I think we started the show talking about how many amazing like lines there are in this movie. Do you have any uh, particularly favorite quotes from this one? Oh, geez. Um, I love. I, I'm trying to think of specific lines. I love when you first meet Sheldon. 
and he's playing at the Coney Island Clinic and yeah. and he's singing about something about like, you know, oh yes, the crack can lead to smack. Oh yes, it does. Carl, you know what I'm talking about, brother. Sing it with me now. <laughs> there there there's that moment, there's the um like Edward Norton shouting to the guy Dathan's like, I'm gonna get you on these non-nitrate, whatever. Yeah, on the gluten-free buns. The gluten-free buns. buns. Yeah, the gluten-free yeah. buns. And everyone's just like, okay, Sheldon, that's that's great. Yeah. Um uh, the, the, the the um when he agrees to do the ice show, Danny DeVito. Sheldon. <laughs> yeah, now I gotta bum it's my boy. So weird. Well, you know what's uh, weird? On the commentary, on the commentary, and it's Oh, so you watched it with commentary. I watched it with commentary. I've, you know, I'd seen it so many times. I'm like, I yeah. could watch the movie, and then I'm pretty sure I'd watched it with commentary. Like when I first got this DVD, uh huh. Whenever, like, who does the commentary? Years ago, it's Danny DeVito, and I want to say it's the DP. Okay, um, whose name I forget. Which, but by the D- way, like stylistically, this movie is really exciting to watch it it definitely feels very 2002 you know there's a lot of yes. like joel schumachery qualities to it <laughs> where it's like you know the very bright colorful lights in the backgrounds of things and very that like that was one of the sharp that... angles and yeah i love oh, the very, scene yeah. i love the scene when uh, danny devito and harvey firestein are talking to each other and you j- only see their eyes you don't see their mouths and it's like just tight you know why they eyes. did that you know why they did it that way Cause no, I just I I no 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 tell like, me I don't oh yeah so Danny DeVito had to go while they were making Smoochie he had to go and do like pickups on some other movie and had to shave his mustache off. Oh, <laughs> well it works. It's very it's very effective and it's like it is. I'm glad they did that rather than just like slapping a fake mustache on him, which would have been fine. But like, no, it's a great st- it like it the, works the tr- for it. it. It fits with the style of the movie. Um, totally. But yeah, like you're saying, what that was something that I noticed. I was, it's very 2002. Uh, you know, just the a lot of the ideas around it are very pre streaming pre smartphones right and we'll we'll get to that and we'll get to that but also um you know even though it started 10 years before this you know this show is very much in this show this movie is very much in response to like barney uh you know this giant costumed children's entertainer and i don't know if they mentioned this in the commentary but like i have to imagine that the conversation was like what if Barney was like a real dirtbag? And yeah, no. you know, the the commentary doesn't really reference much in terms of like character or story development, I guess, because the mm-hmm. screenwriter wasn't on on the right, commentary, yeah. which is uh, it's unfortunate. But you do find out that you know what they did, and like that Edward Norton and Robin Williams improved a lot. Robin Williams mm. and John Stewart improvised quite yeah. a bit. Um, so, and by uh, the way, oh, it was written by Adam Resnick, who yeah. uh, wrote for Get a Life, the Chris Elliott show. He was also uh, co-EP on the Larry Sanders show. So, it's like he wrote um, Cabin Boy. So, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that make sense about his work. Oh, so he, what I was going to say is, uh, it was funny because they're, they're watching the scene when when Burke has the line, oh, now we got a bum, it's for boy. 
and Danny DeVito goes, yeah, no, he must have, he must have, must be, be Jewish and changed his name. It was probably Berkowitz. And I was like, yeah, but Burke is his first name. Like I actually said it back to Danny DeVito. I was like, uh, yeah, but the, your character's name, first name was Burke. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I wonder if it was supposed to be Bennett Burke and they just accidentally went with Burke Bennett. No, I just don't think Danny DeVito was paying a lot of attention and it had probably been some time and <laughs> probably had been some time. Yeah. I don't know. So, he, he had a lot of, he, he did have like, you know, a lot of stories and talked about what it was like filming in Coney Island, filming right. in, in Times Square. Um, yeah. you know, and just like how much fun they had. He talks about John Stewart's haircut. Oh my God. His weird haircut. Like a schoolboy, he calls it like a Caesar Julius Caesar Ju- schoolboy yeah. haircut. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird. Uh, love that uh, at some point they do acknowledge or Edward Norton uh, Sheldon acknowledges Randolph's um, uh, s- serious issues with sexual identity. Oh, he says because mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie there are so many. Ref- euphemisms and mm-hmm. puns. The whole opening number. Right. Names are different, the shoes don't match. Some like to toss while others to catch. One might say grass while the other says snatch. Yeah, it's it's definitely not the most uh current language in you know in reference to Friends um, come in all sizes. Friends come in all sizes. Yeah. Right. I there's a lot about this that is a little outdated. Uh, that wouldn't, but it's like it also just kind of works well, in the context of these characters in this world. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean that that whole that it, it, it's implied throughout the whole thing, but yet there's really no other hints that like Randolph is secretly dealing with being closeted. Sure. Yeah. Well, we also didn't mention uh, Danny Woodburn, who plays Angelo, who's uh, uh, one of the Crinkle Kids when he's with. Um, <laughs> oh. That's sorry. There's my favorite line. <laughs> oh, what is it? Make sure you get your fifty dollar bump for yeah, working thanks. in smoke this week. What's up, dog? Hey, Angelo. You know, I've been meaning to tell you, I was a big fan of your work with the Crinkle Kids, and I really appreciate you coming over and being a Rynette. A job's a job. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he goes off and becomes one of the Rynettes. Is that what they're one called? One of the Rynettes. Yeah. Yeah. And Edward Norton is really. He's like, hey, I just wanted to thank you for coming up. Or he gives him this whole little speech. Yeah, job's, a job. job's a job. Hey. Don't forget to get your pay for working with smoke this week. <laughs> I know. I love those little those little details that they throw in there. I yeah. so my favorite line, and I think about this all the time. There's the scene when Randolph is at Nora or, or one of the, the apartment with um, Nora and Sheldon. It looks like you know what I'm going to say. Oh, the, you know what? I thought I did, and now I don't think I do. And he's like, he comes around and is kind of like realizing how much of a dirtbag he's been and is kind of on their side. And he's sitting there and he's just given like a, a mug of tea and it spills on him and he goes, oh, my balls are on fire. <laughs> and it's just like, it comes out of nowhere. And the way he says it, it's so funny. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I think about it pretty much anytime I have tea. Like it's, it's that burned into my mind. Yeah. There's, yeah. So that one, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, definitely remember that there's the line, there's Spinner's, um, line when he shouts, Hey, don't go anywhere, smooch. Uh, I'll be right back after I take a dump. Yeah. 
And then also when he when he when he first comes in as Moochie and he's just like stone faced looking into the camera and then he's like, Sheldon, my nuts are sweaty. Or yeah. whatever. He says something like that. My nuts itch. My and nuts itch. Yeah, and and uh then of course he's like Smoochie's like, Hey, it's Moochie. And he goes, I, I'm Moochie. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, Michael Raspoli, man, talk about hindsight awards. <laughs> yeah, best supporting for sure. Um, I don't know what else was going on in 2002, but they were sleeping on this one. Also, everybody hated this movie. <laughs> All the yeah. critics hated it. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's it, it's it's one of those movies where I don't. I guess if you're expecting something more run of the mill, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The thing is, like, if you are feeling nostalgic for the early 2000s and, uh, hey, you never know, and just, like, want to slip into a very different world, this is such the right movie for you. A world in which being a neo-Nazi is frowned upon, especially by law enforcement. Yeah, but you know where they have to go to see the neo-Nazis? Good old New Jersey. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, uh, this is our our theme of New Jersey as an awful, scary place. Our yeah, I our guess home that's state. All, well, although Danny DeVito, Danny DeVito's home state, and... right? Of course, I. But it's it's used. I feel like in a way as a bit of a punchline. Well, you know, yeah, it's the punchline of like, well, you know, New York's right over there, but yeah. you're in Jersey. Yeah, totally. So anyway, I um I love this movie. It's so silly, it's so weird. I uh, it's just got so many um the the writing in it is so sharp and mm-hmm. I would I would watch it again today, even though I watched it like two days ago. Well, yeah, that's the thing is it's you know, aside from that it's got uh that 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 dark edge, like it doesn't it doesn't pull back like I, I'd say, imagine like the it's got like a similar tone to Cable Guy, but imagine yeah. Cable Guy pushed for like probably what Cable Guy. I'm I'm thinking what Cable Guy looked like either in early cuts or in earlier drafts of the script. I'm imagining, uh, you know, just that turned up more. You you've got death to Smoochie, mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah, it's got and man, just the production value, all the set pieces that. Friggin' ice show. The ice show is crazy. Man, it's just so funny. Uh, yeah, big fan of the ice show. Big fan of Death of Smoochie. That they have neo not there are there are little people in neo-Nazi outfits ice skating. Right, because the, the ice show is telling the story of Smoochie, which is like <laughs> what they really love to do. They, you know, tell this tell the story of Smoochie. And then, yeah. of course, once the story's over and everyone's all sad, let's do the Jiggy Ziggy. Hey, you guys did the Jiggy Ziggy, Ziggy Dan. Ziggy Whichever. Jiggy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Dan, you've got uh, Vincent, yeah. Vincent Chevelli with a gun to your head and he's telling you to bring this property back. What would you do? Hope that the heroin kicks in and he passes out. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? So, let's see. What would I do? Well, um, you know... A few, few possibilities here. So, of course, uh, let's get this one out of the way. I do think that Death to Smoochie would make a fun musical. Uh, totally, it is a musical, which is, is something that I say a lot when you say turn into a musical. 
Yeah, but I think if you just you push it farther and you actually have you've got some, you know, more songs, you've got Nora and it, it lends itself to that format. Now, right. Of course, it also lends itself to potentially a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm saying this in light of the fact that there is in the works a new live action Barney movie. Right. Mhm. And uh, being produced by uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Kalu- Kaluuya. Yeah, that's right. Of of Get Out fame, and so I feel like maybe the time because one of the things I was thinking about was like, yeah, are they really like the kid shows really aren't necessarily like this anymore, and they don't really have those. Car- I mean, maybe you can maybe as the the parent of a three year old. Um, you know, she was definitely into the Wiggles for a while, and they're definitely still active. Right, but they've been around since I would say th- right, at least but before. they right, but they were rebooted. Mm-hmm. You know, a number of years ago, uh, one of the members is still the same, but the other three have been replaced with younger. One of them's a woman. Um, they she plays the drums she drives the big red car like you know it's a little bit more current and uh they have new you know they they have new shows like new episodes of their different variations of whatever their show is and i don't know they they do some some cool stuff they sing songs about things that are current they put out a social distancing song when covid hit um they they join up with people like Lou Diamond Phillips for rock and roll preschool. Like, you know, they, they're a whole thing. They've got this, this whole thing going on. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't know they were rebooted. I, I never knew they, they went away. So now they're just like, they're like a 70s rock band that's touring with like one person. It's like Bad Company it's is Starship. touring. But it's it's Starship. So it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> Marty Ballin and Grace Slick's not even there anymore. Okay. So I'm thinking sequel and i have a couple of ideas for sequel but i was thinking of the creative minds to get behind a sequel like this in case you didn't have the same um you know is adam resnick was that the name mm-hmm. of the, the yeah. screener um returning to write the screenplay i thought it would be so interesting to get bill Hader and alec berg mm. um to get that that tone that they have in barry yeah I think would really translate well into Smoochie Land. Sure. And mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see that even if Bill Hader wasn't in the film, just that creative energy and that creativity. And of course, like, yes, put him in, in the movie. No movie is going to be worse off for having Bill Hader. In it. <laughs> so, um, ain't that the truth? But, but I was thinking of different plot lines and thinking, okay, well, let's say this movie's coming out in 2002 and it's Smoochie's 20 year anniversary. And I don't know, maybe Smoochie's retiring. Maybe there's a whole retirement thing going on and some other kitty show host from the past is, is coming out to, I don't know, sully his good name or, or perhaps at this point you have Smoochie the Rhino. Uh, 20 years in and they're finally going to do it. They're finally going to make Smoochie the movie. Um, but of course now as, as Sheldon gets caught up in Hollywood, he realizes that there is a, that there's much more 
corruption, then he could he could take on the corruption at Kidnet and in children's entertainment. But when it comes to Hollywood, he's a little out of his league, and I don't know what he has to recruit a team from there. I know. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Schiavelli gunned at which poor one out for Vincent Schiavelli, by yeah. the way. And Robin Williams. And of course and, I mean, Robin Williams. Shit. Yeah. Poor poor one out for for Robin Williams. Yeah. Of course. But yeah, so that uh yeah, that and I was thinking also, what if you had you could also involve a story where let's say Sheldon and Nora are still together. You've got Edward Norton and Catherine Keener back. But let's say maybe now, because now there's there's so much more of a push, I think a lot of kiddie show hosts aren't doing the costume thing anymore. Like even the Wiggles, they're not in a full costume. They're in no. their They wear their black outfits. pants and their color right. shirt. But they still have their – so and then you see there's a lot of these like there's the this uh, – Netflix has a scientist, has like a science lab show. So what if you had – what if you Grand introduced – So <laughs> – I didn't think about Grand Hank. Okay. Yes. No. Dan, we're pausing. We're pausing what you're saying to talk about Grand Hank for just a second. Grand Hank. So around 2002, actually, when I was living in Philadelphia, uh, Dan um, came to to hang in Philly with me. And there's a a local access television station. And they played this guy, Grand Hank. It was like a hip-hop science show for kids and his name was grand hank and that's also how we became aware because we were looking for grand hank but instead saw like an infomercial kind of special thing about this uh this guy this superhero who uh he's a superhero anti-bullying activist. anti-bullying activist named tiger man go on youtube look up tiger man philadelphia and Grand Hank while you're at it. Okay, Dan, resume what you were saying. Yeah. It's, yeah. Actually, we'll just leave it at that. But man, those were some wonderful times. Um, so what if there is now the, like the new big hit female, like a host, a kitty show host, um, is, uh, a young woman, perhaps played by Mindy Kaling. Okay. Who, um, because we have not put her in anything in a while and I've been thinking it's about true. it and, like man and then i was i was watching this i was like who would you cast as like the new like oh what if there's a love triangle or what if there's now some sparks flying between sheldon and this new host because i was watching one of these science shows on netflix that you know hosted by you know a young woman and um i feel like mindy kaling would be great for that. And I, I, I know there's an age difference, but I feel like, I don't feel like she's too young to potentially play opposite Edward Norton. Um, not that I would have them getting together, but. So Dan, I also want to mention while we're still somewhat in the topic of the Wiggles, just so you know, this new iteration of the Wiggles is the Fleetwood Mac of children's entertainment. They're, after the 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 new four the new foursome got together, two of them started dating, eventually got married, and then got divorced. And now the woman is dating this other guy who plays guitar in the Wiggles, and he is and the guy is maybe remarried to or either dating. Uh, one of the dancers from the Wiggles, and they just had a baby together. And uh, yeah, there's another guy who's in the Wiggles who 
is married to one of the dancers now and they recently had a kid it's it's wild so it's not so much like Fleetwood Mac where they were all just where they all just kind of like slept with each other and had affairs and then wrote Well, songs but about that's it. the thing is the you know Emma, the yellow wiggle, she's now dating this other guy who's in the Wiggles. He's not a wiggle, but like he is he performs with them and he is like on the show as like a secondary like a musician kind of thing. So. And where does Lou Diamond Phillips fit into all this? Oh, he's the principal at the rock and roll preschool. <laughs> oh, amazing. It's so great because they talk about Lou Diamond Phillips as if kids know who he is. And they're just like, it's Mr. Lou Diamond Phillips. Mr. Lou Diamond Phillips. Mr. Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> Maybe in Australia... I don't know. It's really maybe they're like really big guns. into stand and deliver. There, stand and <laughs> kids love stand and deliver as well. They should as well. As they, well should. they should. Is it so? So then, why isn't Edward James almost uh, a bigger part of the Wiggles? I uh, well, that's because they're also really big into Blade Runner, and they're all scared of him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah they don't think they'll be able to understand his language. No. <laughs> so dan i'm sorry All you right, were in yeah, the middle no, of i really wasn't i was just saying like you could have in in your new smoochy sequel like in kind of work it into like now maybe like there's not kidnet now but it's kidnet.com or it's the kidnet app or something like that where they got bought and it's smooth it's it's sheldon really having his morals put to the test and really testing whether or not he can stay in this business and be true to to his ideals. Okay. I think that we've got some parallels. Okay. I, Interesting. Not that I had the idea for a musical. I think that's a wonderful one, and that should be explored. Get on it, Broadway. So my whole thing is all about how there is this influx of like amateur children's performers showing up on like YouTube and really taking over, you know, kids who have this like bite-sized attention span. Jack Hartman. Who's Jack Hartman? Jack Hartman does all these songs. So any parent of a kindergarten, first grade, second grade age child that did homeschooling probably knows Jack Hartman. Jack Hartman is, I want to say he's like, uh, I think a child psychologist by, by oh, yeah? trade, but he does all like songs to teach. So he'll do things about the diphthongs. Mm -hmm. It's very much, it's very Wiggles, Schoolhouse yeah. Rock inspired. So here in Portland, we have a, a, a local legend named Red Yarn. And I kid you not, Red Yarn just did a Zoom performance for my kids like preschool this evening. He was on my screen. He was talking to my kid. She was giving him suggestions. It was <laughs> awesome. And uh, so like there's all these, so in this world, there's all these performers that are just like these very like, you know, they, they're, they're local. So kids see them live wherever they are. And, you know, there's just so many of them that uh, kids stop watching network television kidnet goes under and sheldon has to decide if it's time to retire and just hang up the rhino costume for good and just say you know what i did what i did 
I think the world's a little bit better for it. Or I reinvent. I made a dent. I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I reinvent myself and kind of join this new way of doing things. And maybe he tries that out and completely fails because he's an old fuddy-duddy now. And that's like, he's kind of at this crossroads. But that's when there is a an evil man, a very, very mean man, who's running for president of the United States of America. And Sheldon realizes that he has built up his platform to a certain level, and he is going to run against this evil man who's running for president of the United States, and he's using all of his, you know, his old tactics from children's entertainment to reach these small-minded people and really get them to to turn around. So it's uh it's it's actually has some elements of like Man of the Year, the Robin Williams film where uh, yeah, he yeah. is a John Stewart type who mm-hmm. you know a, a essentially a Daily Show host who is convinced to run for president. I haven't watched that one since it came out. I don't know if anybody else has. I haven't seen it in a while. I remember seeing it and thinking it was good. I remember thinking good it's good yeah it's good not great it was good but then again i don't know haven't seen it in a while i love this idea keep going oh i mean that's pretty much it oh yeah so smoochie for president smoochie for president give me smoochie playing who would you have playing uh playing his his opposition i feel like somebody like chris cooper would be a little too on the nose what has Harvey Firestein been up to? Maybe it's Merv. Maybe it's Merv, and he's, uh, you know, tearing it up. Yeah. No. I mean, the first the first person that came to mind was like was Tommy Lee Jones for some reason. But Tommy Lee Jones, I don't know. I feel no, no, no. I don't. I don't. That's not who I would go with. Who could kind of take the place and Michael be that Shannon. Kind of comedic? <laughs> Michael yes. Shannon would be so good. Michael Shannon, of course, Michael Shannon would be would be so good. Michael um, Shannon is one of the funniest people, probably on the planet, but can also be a really amazing dramatic slash menacing actor. Yeah, have I mentioned uh, that I saw Midnight Special? Finally. Oh, Midnight Special is good. I like Midnight yeah. Special. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so just throwing that out there, if you haven't seen Midnight Special- I think it's uh, on some of the streaming platforms. It's, it's on ne- Netflix. I watched yeah. it on Netflix. Yeah, it's, really good. But yeah, yes, Mike Michael Shannon as, as the- uh, Would you have the other president be the incumbent? Would you have it be like a 2020 situation where it's like, we need, you know- the greatest good to combat the greatest evil and I don't know. I, I want to say it would need to be, you know, a, a newcomer um, just because it's more of like a 2016 vibe where like, mm. you know, you have a two term president who is not running again and you have this, you know, reality TV show host who's from the business world, who doesn't, you know, play by the rules of Washington, D.C. And, you know, is coming at it from a different angle. And it's like, for Smoochie, there's also a little bit of that, where it's like, this isn't somebody who's been tainted by Washington, D.C. It's somebody who we know is, you know, he's not fully squeaky clean because he's been through a lot, but 
you know, he still mm-hmm. stands by all of his morals. And even when he almost, sh- you know, shoots, um, is he going after Burke? Yeah. 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 Uh, he, you know, the gun gets taken from him and he, um, perhaps in other, like other directions you could go with, with the casting, perhaps Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd would be really good. The banker turned yeah. uh <laughs> yeah um but yeah there's a lot i like that i really i think that idea is is great i love the idea of sheldon because that what that is what sheldon mopes would do if he had that platform totally. sheldon mopes would absolutely be like running for president or doing what he feels is the right thing to do sure yeah he's definitely a very ambitious person person and yeah i mean like 20 years later you're going to have a lot more support behind you, you know, especially if he's been consistently doing the smoochie show. Yeah. I think it also, I think it also kind of pokes fun at the, I feel like there's more of a sense of like the speculation that uh, the rock is going to run for president, which granted, don't get me wrong. Like, and I say this with the caveat of pretty much anyone would be better than our current situation. Like Dwayne Johnson, I'm and sure by the time this comes wonderful. out, we may have. Oh no, no, no! This will come out the morning of election day. This is coming out. Yes. Yeah, so my recommendation for you is watch Death to Smoochie today. Find some like if you tonight, rather than sitting there and watching CNN straight, just watch. Take some time. Take that two hours. Watch Death to Smoochie. Come back to the hell that we're living in. <laughs> Yeah, afterwards. Totally. Which God, I mean, and please vote. I mean, yeah, it's probably It's too late. You're hearing this now. It's and, it's too yeah. late unless you're going in person. Right. If you're going in person safely and you're not being your vote is not being suppressed, then uh yeah. Vote responsibly. Yeah, I lo- I love this idea of and I'm I that these days I'm not that into watching much that's political. But uh-huh. I, yeah. I would definitely watch uh, Smoochie for president. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the good opportunity to mention that, like, you know, we have been talking about doing certain movies on this podcast that revolve around a presidency, but it, it's been a little difficult for us to broach that subject. So uh, I hope that there is a day soon when we will do a, you know, a movie about a president or about the white house or something that, um, you know, right now, yeah. as of today, we're just not there yet. We're going to keep that off, off the radar. But you better believe that I am ready to do an episode on Dave anytime, (laughs) any place. Yeah, no, I would just, I think I would just be a bawling mess of tears (laughs) if I watched that movie and, it's just like, oh God, even when he's the asshole, he's yeah. still better. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, uh, do you want to tell everyone what we're doing yeah. on our next episode in our month of movies that we're thankful for? That we're thankful for, yes. Yeah. So we are thankful for the next movie that we're doing. And I and unlike Death to Smoochie, it was a very popular movie, an Academy Award nominee, an Academy Award winner, in fact. And, and its legacy is living to this day. Yes, absolutely. It continues. That's right. We are talking about 1996's Fargo. Ooh, I'm so excited. Yeah, don't you know? I do know. 
I do know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so very excited for Fargo. Love the Coen brothers. So another great movie that if you're looking to get in, in escape on election day, yeah. uh, throw in Fargo yeah. Yeah. and just take yourself back there. But yeah, I'm excited. We're going to talk about Fargo. Yeah, well, uh, Dan, on your on your trip to a children's performance in New Jersey, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Hey, Paz, want to come to my birthday party? I'm on the verge of a major breakthrough. Go away. Aw, hey, what are you building? How does it work? What does this do? Huh? No, no, Molly, Molly, no! <laughs> Call your brothers and your sisters and tell them everyone can come. 